Um, well, it's good to be here. Um, well, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I might have underestimated the cold up the hill, but, uh, but nonetheless, um, cool. Good. Uh, I don't know. Should we take a deep breath? Just, just breathe a deep breath. Breathe out slowly. Yeah. Should we do it again? Deep breath. It's an ancient uh, Jewish tradition or whatever which talks about the name of God, um, uh, Yahweh. And uh, there's no vowels to it. And uh, when, you, when you say the name of God, it would go something like this. Yah, ha, weh, ha. Yeah? And almost that when we say the name of God, it's like we're breathing God. Yah, ha, weh. All right, beautiful, eh? Yeah, cool. Good. Um, so um, I just want to share a, a couple of thoughts today. And um, I love some Jewish thinking which goes along these lines. It, it talks about the law, and it says, um, uh, it, you, know, you know, Jesus said, uh, no letter of the law will be um, removed or, or, uh, or abolished, uh, uh, that, that every letter is absolutely essential and important. And, and he talks about that, uh, but in Jewish thinking, it, uh, it, it, there's a thought that goes like this, um, and God is found in the white spaces. So you've got the law, and in those white open spaces, it's in the, it's in the wrestle of the text that we find God, in the interpretation of it. And uh, today I want to share with you a, a, a thought process, and, and I don't want you to, um, I want you to wrestle with it. Um, I don't want you to, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's what I'm wrestling with, and I'm hoping that it, it might be a prompt, and it might just, just be something that you can wrestle with as well. And as we wrestle, uh, the name for Israel, by the way, is to wrestle with God. Israel, wrestle with God. Um, if any of you are wrestling, um, you're in a good place. Wrestle. Um, do you sometimes find you wake up and you... and uh, I actually sent somebody a message the other day. I said, I've woken up a believer today. Because I woke up yesterday an unbeliever. <laughs> uh, probably not stuff you should say from the pulpit, you know. But it's like, it's this wrestle with God. It's almost this, uh, God, where are you? Ah, David wrestled with God in the Psalms. God, where are you? Um, and then the next day he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, Great, great thought. So these guys come to Jesus, and, they, um, and uh, they're asking him some interesting questions, and they're asking the question, when? Um, for the disciples and for the people at the time of Jesus, a very, very important question was, um, when is all things restored? When um, will there be no more calamity? When will... Messiah, rule and reign. Uh, let's think about some of the scriptures from the Old Testament. When will the lion and the lamb lie together? And when will we put our spears and our, our whatever? Yeah? AK-47s. When will we put it away? Um, really, really good question. Uh, when does all this happen? Jesus responds, and he, he says this, and uh, for those of you who uh, I'm sort of going from Matthew 23, 24, but he responds at the beginning of Matthew 24 with these words. He says, no stone will remain unturned. And he's referring to the temple. 
Now, there is nothing worse that you could have said to this group of people. It is causing disruption to that which is most important to you, the temple. For those of you who have been to Israel, um, you'll understand just how important those stones are. Uh, Go to the Wailing War, um, you clamoring at those stones. Jesus says to them, he says, these stones are going to be turned upside down. Now, that's not a really, really nice message that, uh, that these guys want to hear. And he then goes on, uh, Matthew 24, very, very difficult uh, portions of Scripture. Um, I've been in church long enough to see how people fight over these portions of Scripture uh, and just all the different interpretations from them. And I'm beginning to realize that's okay. That's okay. Uh, again, if I could just uh, take you back to a little bit of uh, Jewish thinking. Um, uh, in uh, the Talmud... The Talmud is the um, commentary on the Torah. Very, very interesting thought process which goes into the commentary of the Talmud. Um, uh, these guys, these wise guys who have put their thoughts into the Talmud, um, a lot of it's uh, in opposition to each other. But every word is important because it goes something like this. In 500 years' time, this guy might have been proven to have been right. How interesting, eh? I think, you know, when I look at us at churches, you know, we fight about one interpretation of a, of a verse. You know, and it's... Um, but um, Jesus begins to sort of talk about the times which we would often refer to as the end times. And, and he says, um, these stones will be unturned, which, which happened AD 70. The Babylonians came in and the temple was destroyed. And then there's these difficult verses about pray that you're not, with, uh, that you're not pregnant and... Stuff like that. And then it goes on. Nation will rise up against nation. Um, uh, there will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. And then it goes on. And it talks about two men walking in a field. One will be taken. I think many of us are quite familiar with that text. Yeah? yeah? All right. Um, and as I read that, uh, Matthew 24, I can't say I read it with a sense of delight and with a sense of praise God. This is so wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, <laughs> I wrestle it. I wrestle it. Yeah? All right. Uh, anybody out there like me? Yeah? I wrestle it. And then he goes into Matthew 25. So it's as if I don't want to really hear Matthew 24, but he goes into Matthew 25 and he shares three stories. So if any of you know which those stories are? All right. Starts off with, uh, he says, um, uh, he talks about uh, ten virgins. And he says, five are foolish, five are wise. The difference between these uh, ten virgins is all of them got weary. They all got weary. They all slept. But when the Son of Man came, five of them almost had thought ahead and had some oil in their lamp. And then he goes into a second story. He says, um, he says there's these guys, and the master is going away, and he gives to the one guy, he says he gives him five like talents. And to another two and to another one, the one goes and buries it, the other two do something with it. And when the master comes back, he's very pleased with those who did something and very upset with the one who did nothing. And then he tells a third story, and he says, uh, at the end of the ages, when the Son of Man gathers all the nations together, he will divide them in two, the sheep and the goats. And then he will say to the sheep, um, well done. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. 
And they will say to him, well, when did we, when did we do that? He says, whenever you did it to the least of these. And so we get the third story, very, very interrelated. And as I look at these stories, I begin to think to myself, um, the, 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 the struggle goes, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, how do you live in a world where the stones are being turned upside down? How do you live in a world where there are wars, rumors of wars, and there is massive famine? How do you live? Now, when we're dealing with parables, it's, it's, we've got to be quite careful with parables because parables reveal a truth. And sometimes we can try and take everything in the parable very, very literally. But one of the big questions when you're dealing with a parable is to say, what's the underlying truth that this parable is telling me? So, if you like me, I'm always asking the question, how do I navigate this world of mine? Yeah? When I switch on the news and I hear of Munich and I hear of this and I hear of that, and how do I navigate this? Well, perhaps I need to go to uh, Matthew 25. Because this is what Jesus said to his disciples and to the people. When these stones are being unturned, when you're hearing of all these things, this is how you navigate it. So let's, uh, let's unpack it a bit. I think the first thing uh, that really strikes me um, when I look at Matthew 24 is this thought. Mike, why do you get surprised when you hear stuff happening? Have you heard the news and you go to somebody and you go, I can't believe it. Yeah? I can't believe it. Um, well, according to Matthew 24, uh, there's this thing, um, don't be surprised. Uh, this is the world we're in. Um, I used to laugh at Mandy when we stayed in Forest Hills and um, uh, when we invited my folks over, and some of you know my parents, um, my dad would have this habit of getting to our gate and he would blow his hooter as long and hard as he could to let us know that he was there. My wife would respond aggressively every time. <laughs> Why does he do that? You know? Eventually, you say to her, um, but man, you know it's going to happen. Why get upset? <laughs> Prepare yourself beforehand. The hooter is coming. Yeah? yeah? yeah. All right? So... It's a, it's a thing for us to realize as we're navigating. And remember what I said, the stones being unturned was the worst news that you could have given these guys. Absolutely worst news. Um, first of all, don't be surprised. Yeah. This should not knock us off our center. Yeah. Should not be shaken. When we hear of wars, rumors of wars, when we hear of this, when we hear of that, all right? This should not knock us off our centering. However, there's a second risk that we could run, and it goes something like this. Well, Jesus said it was going to happen. It is what it is. Let's just wait. Yeah. And I think that's why Jesus takes us into possibly these three parables. He says the response to this is not, okay, well, I'm not going to be surprised by it. But I'm going to summer just chill. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. 
get so frustrated with that term. It is what it is. And I know the context to it, but um, go. So when I think of the parable of the virgins, uh, these ten virgins, um, I've always thought of it totally in the response of purity and maybe reading my Bible more and stuff like that, you know, doing the good Christian stuff. Um, but I wonder whether Jesus was maybe, in his mind, had maybe another thought. Uh, if we go to Second um, Kings chapter 4, there's an interesting story about a widower who was married to a prophet and he dies. And all of a sudden, she has got nothing. Yeah? She goes to Elijah and Elijah says to her, uh, get all the containers you can. What do you have? She's got a tiny little bit of oil. And what happens to that tiny little bit of oil as she fills up all the other containers? It just keeps filling and multiplies. She is able to pay her debtors. And it says she's got more than enough for herself to see her through the, through the trouble period. Does the oil possibly represent um, the inner well-being of my own life? There's enough here. And enough to give out. About a year ago, after we had just moved to Cape Town, I, I had this, in, this thought, and it's one of those harrowing thoughts where you just, uh, something's not right and you, you're just trying to work it out. And the thought that came to my mind was, Mike, you've got no rhythm in your life. Um, now, what do I mean by that? Um, every single day is so different, so unpredictable, so... I get to Friday and I can't remember what I did on Monday. I, I, and, I, and I actually try and work it out. Yeah, I try and work it out. And, it's, uh, and uh, some of my challenges is every day is almost in a different place, um, doing different things. And it's like, what did I do on Monday? And, and because of this upheaval, it's, it's, a, it's a sense of there's no rhythm. There's no, there's no um, something. Um, I was chatting to a great friend of mine, uh, Dave Betts. Some of you know him. And uh, he was telling me about jazz music, and Milan and Alan, maybe you can confirm whether Dave's right about this one, uh, but uh, he's quite a good musician. And he was, he was changing me about um, jazz music. And he says, you know, this pure, genuine, lovely jazz music, he says there's something very interesting about jazz music, is jazz music actually allows musicians a sense of autonomy to go. And so that's why you can listen to a piece of jazz music, and you can almost say, are these, are these guys on the same beat? Yeah. But he says they all come together on the eighth beat. And that's what makes it work. The eighth beat is the common beat where they're all together. What's my eighth beat? So I go all over the show, but there's the eighth beat. The eighth beat. Do you have rhythm? So um, I began to ask an interesting question, and it was, you know, it was, it was like, um, what part of my day do I have a little bit of control over? And it was, well, um, uh, it's definitely before breakfast. And then a great question, what would make a successful day before breakfast? Interesting thought, eh? And uh, suddenly um, it uh, meant um, getting up a little bit earlier. Um, almost making a ritual of seeing as many sunrises as I can. If I'm in Durban or Cape Town, with that comes being in the sea. With that comes this time of stillness 
not shouting, singing, or whatever, just this time of stillness, expressing gratitude, and just being in a place to hear, to breathe. I think the five wise virgins had discernment because they were present. Yeah, they also were weary. But in the midst of the challenge and all that's going on is the centering just the oil within us. I work with a team um, in Johannesburg and it was quite interesting. They're under a whole lot of pressure and uh, they're delivering great results, but all of them are terribly burnt out. Yeah? And I'm sort of wondering, do I have some five foolish virgins here? I wouldn't say that to them. Yeah? It's, uh, you're running the race, but you can't discern because you're not looking after yourself. Yeah? All right? For some of you, you need to slow down, you need to discern, you need to look around, and you need to find some silence. Because this world will take us out if the stones are being unturned. Right? And in that silence is the centering of finding yeah. yeah. Jesus then goes on to the second group, um, the, um, uh, these guys who get given something. And um, to one's five's given, to another two's given, to another one's given. And the one who's got one, it's almost as if fear grips him. He says, it is what it is. And he just goes and buries it. To the others, they do something with what is given. We talk about this as being stewardship. Okay? Genesis 1, 2, 3 shares with us, and again, I wonder whether Jesus, in his mind, is this is just coming. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you and... In the Genesis story, Adam and Eve are given stewardship over their world. They are told to order. They are told to care for. Um, To them is given this. great question to ask ourselves is always, what is in our hand? What are the strengths that I possess? And to what extent am I demonstrating stewardship in terms of where I work, my family, and this world in which we live? I've become more and more aware um, of uh, little things such as I walk down the road and I see litter. And I say to myself, um, can't be on my watch. Yeah, but I didn't put it there. I didn't put it there. I've become more and more aware that I don't just sit and wait and do nothing until Jesus comes and just kill our world. Right? First and foremost amongst us should be the return to Shuvah, returning to that which we are because of Jesus, 
and in actual fact being good stewards of the place where we work, of the world and the environments in which we do stuff. Not saying it is what it is, God will come and he'll restore all things. Is it possible that God is saying to us, um, until then, you, Do people see us as being good stewards, good stewards of your gifts, um, wherever you work? That's why um, the New Testament talks, um, whatever you do, do it with all your might. If you're in the most boring job you can think of in the world, lean in and do it with all your might. Lean in. Yeah, lean in. Um, the strengths that you've got, make them stronger. The place where you live, become the activist. Yeah. Make it better. All right? And like I say, I've often just heard these and, and always seen these things as just, this is just about being a good Christian. Um, as Christians, we become the doers of, we, be, we become this. But I first start with self, the parable of the virgins of, Centering in Christ. Now, what's in your hand? Let's go to the third one, um, the goats and the sheep. The Bible often reminds Israel that I am the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt. What was Egypt? Slavery. Uh, Hardship. I am the Lord your God who took you out of slavery. Therefore, always remember this and you be kind to the slave. You treat the immigrant kindly. Okay? You treat the immigrant, those who have no home. You demonstrate love. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy. Micah 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, in actual fact, we have no time for your festivals, your Sabbath days, your these things. Who installed that there? God. He says, I've got no time for that. Unless it first and foremost comes from the place of kindness and goodness, and love. To Israel, the kindness and the goodness of love was not just to themselves. A lot of scriptures, when you go there, treat the widower, the orphan, the poor, the alien. It's interesting to note in this parable that uh, the people are actually quite surprised when he says, you did this for me, well done. They say, when did we do this? When you did it to the least of these. And so in this parable, we see this this challenge or this thing which says, um, uh, as we navigate through these stones being unturned, it's found in the noticing of the small things of what we do. And I think this really puts a spanner in the works as to whatever our viewpoint is of a whole lot of people being, being displaced overseas. Yeah. 
Yeah? I just want to go overseas. Let's just talk about here. Let's just talk about the lives that we live every single day where we come across people. As these stones are being unturned, find yourself in a place of centering, readiness. Be present. As the stones are being unturned, ask yourself the question, what's in your hand? The strengths. What is it that I've given you? What is it that I've tasked you with to do? As the stones are being unturned, notice, look, see, extend, love, support, kindness in the smallest ways to all the people that are around. As you navigate yourself through this turmoil, that's how you need to live. It's a lovely word. It's called hineni. And uh, it's a Hebrew word, and uh, it comes out a couple of times in Scripture. And this is where it happens. Um, In uh, Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is called by God uh, the binding of Isaac. Yeah? For those of you who know that Scripture, um, God commands Abraham to take Isaac. And so again, difficult Scripture. Asks a lot of questions. Um, Abraham responds... With these words, here I am, which is the Hebrew word for Heneni, here I am. Here I am, I am right here, I am willing, I am available to do. That's what it means. I accept the place where I am at. I am present, this is what's in my hand, and what I'm about to do, I know will bless all. Comes up Moses, uh, for those of you at uh, uh, Exodus 3, the burning bush. Moses is a shepherd. He sees the burning bush. The bush speaks. And how does he respond? Here I am. Hineni. H E N E I. N-I, I think. I can check for you. Hineni, Hebrew word. Here I am. I am present. Now we know Moses barters a little bit with God, but in actual fact, that word is saying, here I am in the turmoil of my people, the stones that are being unturned, I am present. What's in my hand? God challenges with him with that, and it's then to go and do. Uh, Samuel. Uh, we know the story of Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 or 4, one of the, one, 3 verse, yeah, it's on the, on the thing there. Uh, Hineni, here I am. How do we navigate these turbulent, challenging times? Uh, not getting upset with everything that's going on, not being surprised, not sitting, doing nothing. Hineni. Hineni, here I am. I accept that where I am right now is where I need to be. Some of us might not like our circumstances. I accept that where I am right now is where I need to be. Um, This is what's in my hand to do. So let's uh, end off with just a little illustration. I love the fact that we've got art here. I want you to imagine this situation. This lady, this woman... Um, she takes out her art stuff. 
And she goes outside and she finds a wall. And over a long period of time, she paints this most beautiful work of art. People walk by and they marvel at this work of art. They say, wow, what amazing piece of art. How fantastic. She has poured herself into it. And it's this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. One day, as the people walk past in absolute depression and anguish, they look as they see somebody has come and taken some paint and just painted all over it and ruined this piece of art. The people lament. They go, oh, no, look what's happened to this work of art. Look what's done. And they show others what's going on. One day, as they walk past this work of art that has been destroyed, they notice with intrigue some people there um, with some chemicals, with some stuff, as they're trying to smear off the um, abusive art that's gone on there. And they look at them, and daily as they walk past, they see these people taking off the graffiti that's gone over the work of art, restoring this piece. Days and days go by, and they just see these people fixing it. When I say these words to you, look what they did to the art. Who comes to mind to you? What thought comes to mind for you? Here we have this piece of art. It's beautifully done by the creator. The villain comes in and destroys it, and then the restorer comes in and just begins to fix it up. Look what they did to that piece of art. Who do you think of when I say that? Sorry? Jesus, yeah? But, but even, quite, even quite literally, uh, when I say to you, this, look what they did to their work of art. Most of us would maybe sort of say, yeah, look what, they, look what the villains did. But perhaps we should be saying, no, look what they did. Look at those who are restoring. I get so frustrated in our world because all the headlines is about those who are destroying. Yeah. And every time we have those that are restoring, there are those who are saying, Hineni, here I am. I wish we would publicize them. Yeah? Uh, because where there is darkness, light always steps in. All right? But it's up to us to sort of saying, uh, a bit of what Eileen's saying, do we, are we going to have some people who are going to step in? Light coming in right over here. Look what they did to the war. And as we look at our world, we can say, oh, look what they're doing. This is terrible. Or we could be saying, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Jesus said we ought to be salt and light. Perhaps salt and light is to say, Hineni, here I am. I am present. I am ready. I've got energy for this because I look after myself. This is what's in my hand. And I'm going to look after my side of the street. If anybody puts rubbish there, I'm Picking it up. Ah, look. What I'm going to do for those who even aren't of of my my kin. Um, Love, kindness, goodness, generosity. He has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of us. Um, So I don't know what's going to come in the news this next week. 
Uh, but I'm not going to be surprised by it. Yeah? I'm not going to get cross with the politicians because they're going to carry on saying all this stuff. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised by it. I'm not going to be surprised by um, the horrible things that take place. Uh, because, yeah. Ah, what I am wanting to do is to find myself on the beach tomorrow morning just connected. To remember what God has put in my hand and do it with every possible ounce of ability that I've got. And to be the salt and the light, to find, to give, to be kind, to, to, uh, to acknowledge, uh, to just say, where's the need? Here I am. Yeah. And remember, we're not necessarily talking money. Um, it's, it's a good part of it, but it's, uh, it's just that kindness and generosity that should be found in us until he comes. So, hineni. Hineni. Good. Uh, uh, may we be a people of salt. May we be a people of light. May we be a people who find the energy within because we look after self. May we breathe in and breathe out. May we look what's in our hand. And even if it's a fish, simple little fish, may we say, here it is. Hineni. May we show kindness and love and generosity and goodness, not because our salvation depends on it, because that's just who we are. Until he comes.